Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Anger, adultery, divorce, dishonesty. What a gospel reading we have today. 
No wonder your pastor hired a supply preacher to be here this Sunday. <laughs> Just kidding. As you heard earlier, your pastor has been at an event with your youth, which is a very good use of his time. I am privileged to preach today because this reading is a blessing to Jesus' disciples. That's right. Jesus' words are a blessing, for they spell out for us what it means to be salt and light every day. Now, you may recall from your pastor's sermon last week that Jesus calls his disciples to be salt and light in the world, to change the world around us, as your pastor put it, through doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. Your pastor sketched out for you some of the arenas of public life where being salt and light changed the world for the better. Areas like racism and immigration and poverty. I commend him for following Jesus' lead last week and giving you a broad view of how powerful our being salt and light in the world can be. So, this week... I am following Jesus' lead and giving you a more particular view of how being salt and light, that is, how being just, loving, and humble people can change our everyday lives. So, in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus discusses six core human struggles that trip us up in being salt and light. Anger, adultery, divorce, swearing oaths, revenge, and treatment of enemies. Now, today's reading that we heard doesn't include the last two. It is more than enough today to look at the first four, which all by themselves touch on all of the Ten Commandments. Well, I'm not going to detail for you how Jesus connects these topics with every commandment. I do want you to keep that fact in mind. You see, Jesus' teaching here doesn't discard what's coming before him. His teaching aims to get at the heart of what God had taught God's people before. So Jesus' teaching builds on the Ten Commandments and on Moses' words to choose life, not death, which we just heard in the book of Deuteronomy. So how does Jesus begin his teaching? By using harsh-sounding language, that's aimed at getting us to pay attention. You think it's not enough to gun down your neighbor? Well, think again. Just being angry and staying angry is unfaithful, he says. Calling your neighbor a redneck or a deplorable, a woke liberal or a radical leftist, just calling your neighbor a jerk violates God's call to be people of salt and light. You can't even worship God rightly, Jesus says, if you praise God on Sunday while trashing God's people Monday through Saturday. No anger or trash talk. Well, that does sound over the top. But think about it. Isn't Jesus right? When we get angry and then trash talk others, we're headed in the direction of treating them as less than human. The prime example of dehumanizing language leading to violence is Nazi Germany's labeling Jews as vermin before they exterminated them. I mean, 
Extermination is what you do with rats, right? Yet we don't have to go back to World War II for examples of dehumanizing language leading to violence. Those epithets I just named are just a few that Americans use today. There are a lot of angry people in America, many of them who say they are Jesus' disciples. And yet they too toss verbal bombs at others like confetti. As a result, our public life together has deteriorated into fist fights at school board meetings, attempted coups, and attempted violent takedown of Baltimore's electrical grid. Angry, dehumanizing language has violent consequences. Now notice that Jesus doesn't say we won't get angry. Sometimes anger is a sign that we have been injured in some way. But what do you do with that anger, Jesus asks. Instead of shooting off your mouth, take a breath. Cool off. And then talk out your differences with the person who hurt you. Listen deeply to the person who says you hurt them. And if you can't have a civil conversation by yourselves, then find somebody to mediate. But work it out before you end up in a courtroom or a jail cell. Work it out before your relationship with your siblings or your neighbor crumbles. Work it out before the community burns down. Work it out before people are dead. Diffusing your anger does take work, Jesus says. Hard work. And so does curbing our impulses to stray in our most intimate relationships. Now notice again, Jesus doesn't say that people won't be attracted to others outside their marriages. But where do you let those impulses take you? Do you indulge them? Or do you take measures, sometimes stern ones, to curb them? You see, the stakes are high for you, but also for the partner you're going to hurt, and for your kids, your extended family, and even your community. Adultery can have catastrophic social, economic, and sometimes even life-threatening consequences. So if you need to cut out stopping at the bar after work, do it, Jesus says. If you need to change jobs, do it. If you need to cut off friendships, do it. If you need to see a marriage counselor, do it. Do whatever it takes because your marriage and other people's marriages are sacred. Which brings Jesus to the topic of divorce. Now, on the surface, his words may seem one-sided as he only addresses men. But in Jesus' day, only men could divorce their spouses. Jewish law did outline criteria for ending a marriage, but those criteria were loose. A man literally could divorce his wife for burning dinner. And yet that casual view of marriage was not God's intent. The scriptures describe marriage as the holy, lifelong union of two people. 
So in his harsh words about divorce, Jesus yanks his fellow men back to that vision of marriage. He lifts up the value of women by emphasizing the harm men did to them when they discarded them like used Kleenex. He tells men that marriage is the most sacred responsibility they have. So they need to treat their wives with honor, care, gentleness, and kindness. Today, when both partners can divorce, Jesus would aim his words at both. And yet we know that sometimes marriages can't be repaired because of abuse, severe neglect, or addiction. The word translated here as unchastity refers not just to adultery, but to infidelity, to putting other things ahead of your marriage. Those things could be your work, your hobbies, your drug use, your internet surfing, or your physical or verbal abuse of your spouse. In cases where one party's continuing infidelity has shattered the marriage, divorce may be the lesser of two evils. And yet, strangely, after telling us to honor our marriage vows, Jesus then tells disciples not to swear oaths. And why do that? I mean, just as marriage vows promise our actions will be true, don't oaths guarantee our words are true? If we're witnesses in a court case, for example, we swear to tell the truth, so help me God. An oath sworn with divine and human power threatening penalties for lying ensures people are truthful because we know people aren't always truthful. So aren't oaths a good thing? Well, Yes and no. You see, swearing an oath some of the time can lead us to think that it's okay to lie the rest of the time. Jesus is saying that God intends us to be truthful 24-7, 365. Why? Because life-giving relationships and communities and societies run on trust. And trust depends on honest dealing with each other. When we lie and excuse others' lies, relationships unravel because our trust unravels. A life-giving world runs on trust, and trust requires truth. And we know that. America today is awash in disinformation, misinformation, spin, gossip, propaganda, and conspiracy theories to the point that some claim there is no such thing as truth. Believe what you want and consume the media that confirms your beliefs whether or not they're true. Say whatever you want. Because if you repeat it often enough, it might seem true, at least in the minds of a majority of people. We create our own reality, don't we? Parts of the media and advertising industries exist to obscure, distort, and deny what's true. 
Their efforts not only make it difficult for us to discern what's true, they encourage us to abandon being truthful at all. My late father taught me that you are your word, meaning your word reflects who you are. So you'd better say what you mean and mean what you say. Because when you go back on your word, he'd say, people cannot trust you. Now, my dad never directly connected being truthful with being a Christian. But because he was a deeply devout man, I think his conviction flowed from his faith. And because he was truthful, he was trusted. Not just by his family, but by his church, by the people who worked for him, and by the larger community. These days, we may have to work harder than before at distinguishing truth from lies. But it is possible to do that. In my first profession, I taught students how to evaluate the credibility of information sources. Now, I can't teach you that course right now. But I will say this. A good place to start is to simply turn off social media, talk radio, cable news personalities, and internet chat rooms. All four are more devoted to spinning fictions than presenting facts. And yet, at the same time, we work at sifting the media for truth. We can commit already to being truthful where we live, work, and play. As my dad's example shows, truthfulness like charity begins at home. In fact, truthfulness is an act of charity, an act of love. Because truthfulness nourishes the trust between people that allows relationships to flourish. And the flourishing of our relationships is the point of being salt and light, remember? Only loving relationships create and nourish life. Jesus challenges us to diffuse anger, curb our desires, value marriage, and practice truthfulness 24-7. He is lifting up a vision of what it means to live together in love as God intends us to live. We are made from love to love. That is the only source of our life. I know it's not easy to do as Jesus asks. Too often we follow our emotions and our desires down destructive paths. Alone we cannot do what Jesus asks. But the good news is that we don't have to do it alone. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means he's not just our faraway teacher and model. He is with us right now down here through his spirit. His spirit 
can powerfully guide, encourage, and yes, lead us back to God when our worst impulses drive us into the ditch. Jesus knew we wouldn't follow him flawlessly. So God poured out Jesus' spirit on each of us at our baptisms. His spirit now surrounds us 24-7 to aim us in the direction of being salt and light, of living lives that are life-giving. So whenever we worship, Jesus' spirit speaks to us in the scriptures and the hymns and the prayers and then feeds us in Holy Communion the power we need for holy living. In worship, we also confess the messes we made this week and then receive Jesus' forgiveness and God's power to try again. In the church's life together, the Spirit meets us in our fellow disciples who are also living Jesus' life while also struggling to master their impulses. God gives us each other so that we can help each other be salt and light every day. Yet the Spirit also speaks to us in the arenas of everyday life. Haven't you encountered people who just seem to radiate light? Who speak kindly and respectfully to you and others? Who refuse to use people? Who honor their marriage partners? Who speak truthfully even when they're penalized for it? God's Spirit is with us 24-7. So we do not have to imitate those who stoke anger, encourage destructive impulses, laugh at infidelity, and traffic in lies. Instead, while we wait for Jesus to complete the radiant kingdom of God among us, we can imitate those who radiate the light of Jesus love. Guided by his spirit, we can walk toward Jesus' kingdom future, trusting that his spirit also will help us to diffuse our anger, curb our desires, honor our marriages, and speak truthfully 24-7. Because the light of Christ is immensely powerful. We can trust that even our small, everyday efforts to be salt and light can change others and even change us. That's the good news. So let it be so for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.